Coming up, I'm going to reveal the secret to doing what you really want in life. And then 92% of people would sacrifice perks for what? I'll tell you next. And then top colleges, are they eliminating debt? Helping you win in your work life so that you're winning in every other area of your life. This is the Ken Coleman Show. So what is the secret to doing what you really want in life? I mean, anytime you hear these kind of things, you go, is it really a secret? I mean, don't we all know? And I think that's fair. But I think this might, in fact, categorize itself as a secret. It is the secret to doing what you want in life. And I think it's going to hit some of you the wrong way. So you're going to have to give me a little bit of time to unpack it. Here it is. Be selfish. Ken, have you lost your mind? Have you gone to the dark side? What is it? What, what happened to the Ken Cole who was all about giving yourself away, making the unique contribution, a purposeful contribution, making making other people's lives better because of, because of your gifts? What happened to that guy? Where'd he go? He's still here. What if being selfish is used in a different context? In other words, not an evil, vindictive, or stingy way. We think selfish is the little toddler who steals the other toddler's cookie or their toy. But what if we're talking about being self-ish in a aware way? Most of us do not have enough selfish actions in our life. Here's what I mean by this. What if selfish means self-aware? What if if it means self-aware? What if it means self-disciplined? That's what I want us to focus on. I want us for just this fun moment to think of being selfish as thinking about myself in a way that I am growing in awareness. Am I aware of my weaknesses? Am I aware of my trauma? Am I aware of my bad habits? Am I aware of my talent? Am I aware of skills? Am I aware? Am I aware of what I want my future to be? What if selfishness was awareness and what if selfishness was about discipline. If I'm focusing on myself in order to become more aware of myself and my areas of strength, areas of weakness, if I'm aware of my direction that I want life, I'm going to tell you something. I've got an edge. I've got an advantage. And then if I'm self-disciplined, meaning I can choose to do the hard things, I could choose to sacrifice. I could choose to wait and be patient. That's all self-discipline. Then I, again, have an edge. So self-awareness and self-discipline are, in fact, the name of the game. So you need to get crystal clear on what you were born to do why you want to do it, where you can do it, how you'll get there. Let me just think about that for a second. That is tremendous awareness. I am very clear on who I am, what I want to do, why I want to do it, 
where I can do it, how I can get there. That right there, awareness of just those questions immediately make you self-aware and set you up to make that unique contribution, which is about others. So I'm having a little bit of fun with the word selfish, but selfish to me has been so coined as a negative thing. And I think we ought to be more aware of self and as a result, be more self-disciplined because we realize who we uniquely are. And when you begin to dive into your uniqueness and realize that uniqueness, then all of a sudden you can't help but for your humanness to come out and you won't be all about self. And really, when you look up the definition, I looked it up here, selfishness, the definition is devoted to or caring only for oneself. Concerned primarily with one's own interest, benefits, welfare, regardless of others. So if we were to just tweak a few words there, devoted to knowing oneself, boy, that would sound and feel totally different. So the idea of being self-focused for awareness and self-focused for discipline so that I realize my true self, so that I can be my true self in order to give myself away, this is the journey. And I would tell you that after coaching thousands and thousands of people, studying successful people, walking my own journey with a massive pivot in my early 30s, if you are self-aware and self-disciplined. I don't think it's possible not to be successful. I I think it just happens. I'm willing to say that I just think it happens organically, to choose a word. Just as a weed will sprout up in your yard and grow without any, any help, I think you will be successful. All right, let's just talk about the, 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 the laser focus that comes from being self-aware and self-disciplined. You'll know exactly when to say yes, and you'll know when to say no. And therein lies the source of the organic growth. A self-aware person, a self-disciplined person, doesn't get distracted as much as everybody else. They don't get discouraged as much as everybody else. Think about that. Think about it. Let's take on the first one. The self-aware and self-disciplined person doesn't get distracted as much because they've already decided what they want to say yes to, so it makes it easy to say no to everything else. That's why they don't get distracted as much. They don't get discouraged as much because they know where they're going, why they're going there, and they know it's going to be a difficult journey. They know it's going to have a lot of turns. They they have a pretty good idea of what a timeline might look like. So when the timeline gets delayed, they go, I get it. It's kind of like a, a you know somebody building a house. You know, and you're all excited, but you don't get all discouraged when the house takes longer. It's just kind of one of those, that's the deal. It's part of the journey. Sometimes delays happen in building a house. And so you're are you disappointed? Yes. Are you discouraged? No. And again, this comes from awareness. And this comes from discipline. 
the more aware I am, the more disciplined I can become. Why? Because I know what I'm expecting. I know what I'm striving for. And it gives me the proper perspective. So I don't quit as easily. I don't get discouraged as easily. I keep moving forward. This is why awareness and discipline are, in fact, the secret to doing what it is that you want to do. And I listen, I don't care if you're in your 30s right now, your 40s or your 50s. There is a version of what you want to do that can be done if, in fact, you become selfish for a season. And what I mean is you get maniacally focused on becoming self-aware. Where am I strong? Where am I weak? You run the gamut so that I am truly aware of who I am, why I am that way, what I want to do, where I can do it, how I can do it. That's all a part of self-awareness. And a person who is aware is clear. And when a person is clear, they are confident. Now, why does this matter so very much? Because life is full of uncertainty. And uncertainty is what knocks so many people off the path. But you can face uncertainty when you have clarity, self-awareness. And out of that awareness comes self-discipline. To actually become who you want to become to do what it is you want to do so that you get to the end of your journey whenever that is and you say, this was a life well lived. I can say with confidence that I, in fact, lived the life that I wanted to live and became the person that I wanted to become. We're here to help you here on The Ken Coleman Show. Keep pressing on. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman. BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. We're here to help you be who you want to be and do what you want to do. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, if it's helping you in any way, could you help us uh, by uh, watching, excuse me, as you're watching these videos on YouTube, uh, can you like the video, a little thumbs up there at the bottom of the window, subscribe to our channel and share. And then if you're listening via your favorite podcast app, follow us, give us a five-star review and share as well. Okay, this is an interesting article here in my hands. Uh, This is a CNBC article. 
Headline reads, 92% of young people would sacrifice other perks. These are now business perks. For a four-day work week. No surprise here. One-third of Gen Z and millennial workers say they'd be willing to work fully in person if it meant shaving a day off their work week. This is pretty interesting. And, you know, sometimes these polls, they measure emotions and, and, and opinions. But many times you go, I just don't think there's a chance of this happening. Can I tell you that I think this could happen? I think this poll data actually has a very good chance of happening where you will see companies come in and go, all right, we want you back into the office. You want to be remote or hybrid, but here's what we're going to do. If you come into the office, and they may say in a hybrid model, or you come in four days a week, so the entire time, we're going to give you that four-day work week schedule that you desire. I think this is going to happen. Largely because I think the four-day work week is going to happen. I think it's going to happen. I think the horse is out of the barn. The ship has sailed. Pick your metaphor. I think it's happening. It's, it, is, it is absolutely. Now, I'll get into that in a minute. About what needs to happen for a four-day work week to work. I'll get into that in a minute. Just my opinion. I've thought through it. But I think it's, I think it's coming. So this could actually happen where companies go, all right, I'll tell you what. We believe that people being in the office is good for culture, it's good for creativity, innovation, communication, you know, on and on and on the list goes. And I, and I agree with that, by the way. I'm not anti-remote work. I'm not anti-hybrid work. But I do think community is best when we're together. And I think that goes without saying. Now, other sacrifices that Gen Z... Uh, is willing. By the way, this is a bank rate survey. This is the source of this data here. Here are some other sacrifices that Gen Z and millennial employees. So this is the two youngest demographics in the workforce today. Okay. Another sacrifice they're willing to make in exchange for a four-day work week is including working longer hours. That's 48% said, I'll work longer hours if I got a four-day work week. 35%, I'll change jobs. If I get a four-day work week. And 27% said, I'll work weekends or evenings. Whoa. Me thinks that that wouldn't last long, but I don't know. Maybe they thought it through. And then 13% said, this is crazy to me. 13% of Gen Z millennial workers said they take a pay cut in order to have a four-day work week. Young Andrew, the video uh, producer, is in there shaking his head. He doesn't buy it. I agree with him. This is where, again, you got to be careful with polls, right? Somebody hits these young people with a poll question. They go, you know what? I'd take a pay cut. Maybe some of them would. Maybe some of them would go, I'm going to adjust my lifestyle. But I just don't see in the American consumer the willpower, if you will, to say, you know what? All right. I'm going to take a 5% pay cut, 10%, whatever it is in order to only work four days a week, and I'm just going to adjust my lifestyle. I don't see it happening. I'll tell you the other one I don't buy, and that's working weekends or evenings. I, I think that lasts approximately two weeks. Maybe not even that long. So be careful what you ask for. 
Because I'm going to tell you something. I do think companies are going to start paying attention to this data. I think this is going to become a viable, I didn't say reliable option, but I think it will become viable for people to go, let's think about this. And what would this look like? That, that, that I do think will happen. All right, now, these younger generations are really, really, really focused on flexibility. Now, you're going to hear things like work-life balance and stuff like that, which, again, is just such a tired old phrase. It doesn't even make sense. There is no such thing as work and life balance. They're not balanced. It's impossible for them to be balanced. But you can live a very healthy life in imbalance. This is all just about how you are using your time. You don't drive yourself crazy, try to balance life and work. No. Learning how to live imbalanced in a good rhythm, in a healthy environment, that's the game. And that can be done. And and, and can I just say, I feel like I've got that. I I mean, for years now, I, at Range of Solutions, I'm just going to tell you, I am imbalanced. There's no question about it. I, I, I'm at work, doing work more than I am anything else. But in my imbalance, um, I am a very blessed man. All right, now, uh, the older generations, where are they at on this deal? 86% of Gen X, that's my generation. By the way, Alex, are you Gen X or Millennial? Barely a Millennial. Barely. You're right on the line. Okay. So, uh, Joe, you're Gen X, aren't you? Boomer. You're a Boomer? Ah, I love it. All right. So I, this is why I'm asking because I'm the only Gen Xer in the in the in the uh, in the show, and 86 uh, percent of my generation, uh, plus baby boomer workers. There you are, Joe. Said they'd be willing to give something up in exchange for a shorter week. All right, Joe. Putting you on the spot. Uh, we're not holding you to this. This is just fun. What would you be willing to give up, Joe? For a four-day work week. How about uh, all my lunches? Oh, very interesting. Now, the, the interesting thing is, is I don't take lunch anyway. Well, you're not supposed to tell anybody that. <laughs> you just shot your idea on the foot. Uh, but essentially what Joe was choosing was a longer workday. And that was one of the options. So Joe, the boomer, goes, I'll tell you what. I'll work the longer four-day schedule in order to get the fifth day off. I like that choice. Um, that would be mine. That would be mine, too. Uh, you know, th- that would be my choice. Changing jobs. Listen, don't forget, folks, that millions of Americans regretted changing their job over the last two or three years. Millions. Because they thought, oh, I'm going to take the better job. We've reported on this extensively on the show. So be careful about that. Um. The older generation said 86% said they would be willing to give something up in exchange for a shorter work week. And 61%, Joe, were uh, they sided with you and me. 61% of that group, Gen Xers and Boomers, said they'd work longer hours. And I just think there's a good work ethic there. And they're like, yeah, that's no problem. Uh, give me a 10-hour day. Now, Joe has figured a way to engineer around that because the guy doesn't eat anyway. But he's like a brown bear. He has a very like hibernating type style of eating. I think he only eats once a day, folks. I've known him a long time. He's like a he's like a camel. You know, you just eat once a day, don't you? Yeah. yeah and I get here at the crack of dawn. Yeah. Tell everybody this is amazing. Tell everybody when you get here, Joe. 
Uh, about 6.15. Gets here at 6.15. What time does the rooster go off at your house? In the 4 o'clock hour. You get up in the 4 o'clock hour? Yes. Wow. All right. It's amazing. I can't do it. Now, let me just walk through what I think it's going to take for a four-day work week to actually work. You ready? Because some of you out there are going, I'm in management, I'm in leadership, or I'd like to take as my leader. I think there's three things, Alex, that that if, if leaders can figure this out, a four-day work week will work, but I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all. Here we go. First, I think it's actually about leadership. Uh, here's what I mean. Communication and trust. Four-day work week to work, you're going to have to have a leader who communicates and a leadership team that communicate really, really well because you're going to have to figure out what that rhythm looks like to make it work. And there's going to have to be high levels of trust between the leadership and the team to make it work. Secondly, system, system, systems. I think it's just about workflow and it's it's how you manage the workflow going into a four-day week. And I also think it's how you take care of the customers. Can you take care of the customers and can you maintain a healthy workflow? Number three, I think it's about the industry or the company. In other words, is a four-day work week actually feasible in your line of work? If it is, and you get the other two things, I think it can work. But it's not going to work for everybody. We'll see. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends, or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out, and it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space to get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken. Welcome back to the Ken Colvin Show. Folks, I've got some great news. Oh, my goodness, this is good news. Seems like we've got some colleges and universities that are waking up and they're getting their heads out of their collective educated beeps. Like what I did there? Um, I'll give you a cleaner version, Alex, for you two. It looks as though the higher uppity-ups and muckety-mucks in colleges and universities are finally pulling their heads out of the sand. What do I mean? CNBC article right here. Some of the nation's top colleges are eliminating student loans. Roughly two dozen schools have introduced no loan policies. I wish I had a sound effect for trumpets. Wait a second. Here we go. I want to say this again. This is huge news. 
You got trumpets? Folks, this is a new day in America. Uh, Did you hear me? Joe, get the sound effect ready again. This will be great. In my hands, roughly, I'll cue you, Joe, Joe, roughly two dozen schools have introduced no student loan policies. This is a huge deal because if there's ever been a follow the leader Simon Says industry, it's higher ed. And I applaud these schools. Amherst College, uh, Brown University, Dartmouth College, Duke University, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, Northwestern, Princeton, Penn, Vanderbilt. Just a few of the 20. I don't know if I'm going to read them all. I mean, these are some big, we're talking Ivy Leaguers, we're talking blue blood schools like Vanderbilt and Duke. This is a huge, huge step. And by the way, it's about freaking time. Why? Because these colleges and universities have massive endowments. They have extremely wealthy benefactors. And they can actually provide student aid so that their students don't have to take out a loan. It's that simple. And this is what they should have been doing, and it's what every other college university should be doing. And here's your prediction. If other colleges and universities don't start to go this route, they are going on the extinct watch list. This is... Can I just tell you guys? This is... This is a big deal. This this should be leading the news coverage. This is huge. Massive. So, what are they doing? Let me give you an example. Uh, One of the colleges is Lafayette College in Easton, Pennsylvania. And here's a specific policy at Lafayette. Families with household incomes of up to $200,000 have their financial need met through grants and work study. Fabulous. I love that combo, Alex. Yes, I love the grant, which is essentially you don't have to pay the loan back. Uh, But there's also the work study. You got to get your hands dirty. You got to work. And if you work, We take care of your tuition. I'm rarely speechless, but I mean, this is so simple. I, I can't believe, honestly, Alex, I cannot believe what I'm reading, what I'm seeing with my own eyes. Let me make sure I go look at it again. I mean, It's so simple, it's stunning it hasn't happened sooner. But here we are. And again, I do believe. And maybe, maybe, maybe this is wishful thinking. I'm going to do my part to bang the drum on this, but this is fantastic. Colby College in Waterville, Maine, has had a no-loan policy in place since 2008. And what's happening is these schools are addressing what parents 
and students have been saying, which is, I know the degree is a good thing, and I've been told my whole life it's a good thing, and I feel like I gotta do it, but I don't want to do it because I don't want to be in debt. And 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 it's just bubbling up, bubbling up, bubbling up, bubbling up, and all of a sudden, what we're starting to see is we're seeing enrollment rates go down, and colleges are going, uh oh, we have a problem on our hands. Now, some of these colleges and universities are so daggum greedy. They're just going to hold on, hold on, and hold on until they can't hold on anymore. But some of these colleges are going, you know what? We have the means, and we're going to use the means. And this is great. Too much debt is the giant concern. And here's what these colleges are saying. They're saying, we see you, students. We see you. We hear you. And we're going to do something about it. Now, is this going to lead to a win-win? I think the answer is yes. Here's what I think is going to happen. For these colleges and universities that say, all right, you can come here and between grants and work studies, and if you're a good student, you, you do what you're supposed to do, you maintain eligibility, we're going to take care of your tuition, and we're going to launch you out into the world, and you're going to be proud of the time you spent here and all the things that have always come with getting the college degree. But you're going to walk out of our place without the burden of debt. And that's a win for the students. But watch what happens next. What do you think happens, Alex, when thousands of students go to these good schools? By the way, these are all really good schools. Now, the catch-22 is these schools are hard to get into, but that's fine. I mean, they're, they're academically you know, rigorous schools, every one of these. But. Because they're academically rigorous, their students are getting some plush jobs. But now they walk into these plush jobs, and they don't have the burden of debt. And instead of the burden of debt and kind of going, well, it was a good time. I kind of enjoyed it. It was great. But good Lord, I can't. I'll never pay my loan. You know what they're doing? They're going, it was an unbelievable experience. It was great. I learned some stuff. I met some great people. They paid for my academics. They helped me with my, they did this and they did this and I don't have any debt and I'm making really good money. And you know what they're going to start doing? They're going to tell that story over and over and over again with enthusiasm and gratitude. And obviously they become ambassadors, evangelists for the school. So it's a win-win. What's going to happen? More kids are going to go, great. I want a four-year degree. But I don't want the debt. And so I'm going to go to these schools. And then you know what's going to happen, Alex? All these other eggheads who still have their heads up there are going to go, oh, wait a second. We got a fat endowment. We can get grants for these kids. We can give them grants. We can do work studies. And I hope this changes the game. But listen. Some of these educators aren't going to go quietly because they love the money. And this brings me to the other side of the problem. This is solution right here. Well, we've been talking about solution, but let's also talk about the current problem. It is time for we the people to begin to vote on this issue. I think student loans, the federal student loan program, should be treated just like other single-issue voters. You, you take social issues, 
that are just hot button. You take economic issues, the federal debt, immigration, abortion, you pick your topic. There are major issues in this country that are uh, widely debated, very uh, uh, divisive, but I don't think this issue is. And I think this ought to be a single-issue voter for every voter in the country to go. The federal government needs to get out of the student loan business. They are not a bank, but they're acting like a bank. Insuring all of these loans and saddling generations with crippling debt and going to the bank on the back of the American people. It's time for we the people to start voting on this. You know what I know? Liberals, conservatives, Republicans, Democrats all agree on this issue. Stop the student loan program. There's another way. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.